0: And welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas llavitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers. And if you are all about reading fantasy books and going on adventures and learning about mythical creatures, then today's episode 49 is for you. Today's episode covers different vocabulary that you might find while reading a fantasy novel, as well as a cultural tip on three mythical creatures from Spanish-speaking countries. So, let's get started! The reason for this episode is that a while ago, I was trying to read a book that was sci-fi and fantasy, written by Anne McCaffrey in Spanish. And to my horror, I had no idea what was going on in the first few pages. What I realized is that a lot of the vocabulary I have in Spanish is conversational and academic, but it has very little in the sci-fi and fantasy realms. So I am determined to correct that, as I'm sure I'm not the only one who has run into this problem, nor the only language learner who loves a good sci-fi or fantasy book. I mean, come on. I decided I would do two episodes dedicated to helping others expand their fiction vocabulary. So in this first part, we'll focus on fantasy-specific terms, and in the second, on sci-fi. And for the cultural tips, we'll focus on mythical creatures from Spanish-speaking countries. Now, I've divided the vocabulary up into sections for very specific things. So actions, people, creatures, and places, and then within each section, if you will, I've included a mini story to help cement the new vocabulary in your brain. At any rate, it is a little less dry than just listing off a bunch of new vocabulary and saying voila! Now you will magically remember. I honestly don't know if the story's going to work better or not, so please let me know. Did the story help or was it just too corny and you couldn't handle it? I would love to hear your feedback. So let's begin with the first section on action verbs. Now, in the blog, I have created kind of a slideshow where you can just click through and you can see the pictures with the word and then the translation, but obviously can't do that on a podcast, so I'm just going to read them. Our first action verb is dash, like you're dashing across the way, and then skulk, which is a very fun word, skulk, you know, like to skulk in a corner. And then slink i often think of some kind of feline just slinking through the grass to creep to stab or to slay very violent verbs right there and of course if you've got stabbing and slaying going on you need to be able to put on your armor and to mount a horse now for all of these right here are some of the translations to dash in spanish is correr which you probably already know as to run Correr. One thing to keep in mind when you are learning about new words and new vocabulary is that sometimes there just isn't the same diversity of words to choose from in one language versus another. And this will happen in different scenarios. So I'm sure you've heard the idea that, you know, there's a few languages where they've got a ton, a ton of different vocabulary for different types of snow, whereas we have different ways of describing different forms of movement when it comes to running, in Spanish, to dash and to run are pretty much the same verb. So, correr. And then, to skulk is merodear. Merodear. To slink, like through the grass, is escabullirse. Escabullirse. So, it's a reflexive verb. Same with to creep. Arrastrarse. Arrastrarse. And then, to stab something is apuñalar. Apunyalar with that fancy N, or to be more technical, it is an N with a tilde, la tilde, above it, so that squiggly line, right? It's called it una tilde, the letter Ñ. Anyways, to stab, apunyalar. To slay is to matar a, matar a algo, right? To slay something, matar a algo. And then to put on armor, is also reflexive. Ponerse la armadura. Ponerse la armadura. And then to get on your horse. Montar a caballo. Montar a caballo. Alright, a few other action verbs you might come across in your fantasy adventures is to cast a spell on someone. You know, a spell could be a blessing, so you might bless someone or you might curse them. A fairy godmother might ask that you make a wish or offer... You know the ability to fly a king or queen might knight someone so for someone to be knighted and obviously there's a lot of disappearing and reappearing in the fantasy realms some translations of this to cast a spell is echizar echizar with an h echizar and to bless someone is bendesir Bendecir, with a b To curse someone is a little bit more complicated to say. It's echar una maldición sobre. Or if you want to say it a little bit more Latin American, echar una maldición sobre. Right. Sorry, I've been practicing my Castilian pronunciation. So echar una maldición sobre or echar una maldición sobre. And of course, if you want to make a wish, it's pedir un deseo so literally it's to ask a desire which i think is really that's a cool way of saying that pedir un deseo to fly is the same as if you're taking an airplane volar with a v volar to be knighted is nombrado caballero so basically to be named a knight nombrado caballero and to disappear is desaparecer very similar right desaparecer and to reappear is reaparecer, reaparecer. Wow, that could be a tongue twister all on its own. Reaparecer, desaparecer. Let's go ahead and do a quick story. The story will be in English, but I have replaced the words that have this vocab with the Spanish word instead. So see if this helps. Again, let me know your thoughts. Sir Robin corrió across the road before diving to the ground, arrastrándose slowly through the grass. It had been a busy morning. He had begun the day, like any other, poniéndose la armadura before montar a caballo to scour the countryside for any thieves or murderous cutthroats. While he had not found any merodeando along the road, he did see a dragon quietly escabulléndose through the fields, on the hunt for some poor peasant farmer. Sir Robin had immediately sprung into action, and for hours he fought the fearsome beast. With a final thrust, he apuñaló the dragon's heart. The monster gave one last fiery blast before falling to the ground, dead. Exhausted, Sir Robin had planned to return home and quietly collapse. Alas, such is not the fate of those nombrados caballeros in these dark times. A witch had appeared before him, suddenly and soundlessly, and angrily pointed her finger at him. "'How dare you!' she croaked. "'He across the world and back on that dragon, and now lo has matado!' Generally, it was rude to leave while Lady was talking, but Sir Robin thought this was the perfect time to make an exception. Without waiting for her monologue to end so she could hechizarlo, for assuredly, echaría una maldición sobre él, He doubted very much that she hubiera pedido un deseo, and then lo hubiera bendecido with some noble gift. He had made a mad dash through the woods. As he ran, the witch desapareció. Now, as he peered through the tall grass, he fervently hoped she was gone. A hope that was summarily dashed when she reapareció beside him. Our next section focuses on people. So here is a list of important words regarding different types of people you might see in a fantasy book. First, of course, is the damsel. We've all heard of a damsel in distress. So damsel, followed by a prince or a princess. And, you know, they need advisors and counselors. And, of course, they're noble knights and the serfs and the peasants. So a damsel can be called la damisella or la doncella now doncella is i believe a little bit antiquated but in the books that i have read in my spanish classes i do recall seeing the word doncella which is why i included it here because while you're reading spanish lit you may come across the word and it's very handy to know what you're reading obviously la damisela or la doncella now a prince is el principe el principe with a little accent on that first i And a princess is la princesa, la princesa. An advisor is an asesor, or for a woman advisor, asesora. And for a counselor, it's consejero. And for a female counselor, it's consejera. For a knight, it's el caballero. And this is true whether the knight is male or female, it is el caballero. For a serf, it would be siervo o sierva. And for a peasant, it's campesino or campesina. And of course there's the king and queen, the rulers, right? And our hero or heroine. We also have a witch or wizard. It's hard to have a fantasy novel without one of those, as well as an elf or a dwarf. I always think of Tolkien, right, with those. So a king would be el rey, and the queen would be la reina. A hero is el héroe, with an h, It basically looks exactly like how we spell hero, but with an accent over the E. So, el héroe and heroine is la heroína, la heroína, with an accent on that I. A witch, depending on if it's female, is una bruja, una bruja, or un brujo, un brujo. And the same with wizard, right? It can be un mago or una maga. And an elf is una elfa or un elfo. And a dwarf is un enano or una inana. That's actually kind of a fun word to say, enana. Hmm, I love that. Anyways, focusing, refocusing. Lastly, we have hobbit, because I was on a Lord of the Rings kick while doing this. So there's hobbit, a noble man or a noble woman, which of course leads to the titles of lady or lord, and even perhaps a duke or a duchess. So, a habit in Spanish, whether female or male, is obit, basically spelled the exact same way as it is in English. And then a nobleman or a noblewoman, whether male or female, is going to be noble. So, una noble or un noble. And a lady is a señora, and a lord is a señor. A duke is un duque, and a duchess is una duquesa. Here is the mini-story with this vocab. In magical lands, often un rey rules over his people with absolute authority. His wife, la reina, is perhaps kind-hearted or an evil stepmother. They usually have a daughter, una princesa, who is the most beautiful woman in all the land. Or mayhap they have un principe, a ruthless villain or a valiant warrior. At the royal court are many assessores and consejeros sometimes imparting sage advice or sometimes planting the seeds of strife and war. Also playing political games are the nobility, los nobles, called señores and señoras, perhaps even those with the title of duque or duquesa. Perhaps un caballero will mount his horse and go on an adventure rescuing las damiselas, slaying dragons, and improving the lives of the lowly campesinos. After all, the life of un ciervo is usually full of endless toil and fear. He might meet una bruja, who tries to cast a spell on him, or un mago, with some friendly advice and a useful spell or two. If he dares to enter the magical woods, he might run into mischievous elfos or tiny, quiet obits. If, instead, he traverses the mountains with their many caves, he might run into a stout enano. In the end, however, the true eroe, or héroïna, is determined not just by the friends and enemies he meets, but by his fight to overcome the odds and achieve victory over evil. This next section focuses on creatures. You may see some of these as you frolic through the magical realms. Of course, there are dragons and unicorns. There's a pegasus or an ogre. Giants and goblins and horses and, obviously, a knight must have his noble steed. A dragon is El Dragón. El dragon, and a unicorn is el unicornio, el unicornio. A pegasus would be el pegaso, el pegaso, and an ogre is el ogro, el ogro. A giant, whether you use la or el, is gigante, gigante, and the same with goblin, Un duende, Un duende, or la duende, la duende. A horse is el caballo, el caballo, and a steed is el corcel, el corcel. Now, sometimes you might read a fantasy novel that talks more about mundane animals, so I have included a few, like a lion or a snake, a mouse, and a rat. A lion would be el león, el león, with an accent on the O. A snake is la serpiente, la serpiente. A mouse is el ratón, with an accent on the O, el ratón, and lastly a rat would be la rata. La rata. It's interesting that those two words for mouse and rat are so similar. So let's go ahead and do another mini story. When a knight travels across this ancient land, he must be wary of many strange and fearful creatures. While there are, of course, the mortal animals, such as a roaring leon or a slithering serpiente, there are many mystical beasts that require magical weapons to defeat them. Take el dragón, with its fiery breath and leathery wings, or the stupid but strong ogros who lurk along forest paths. Los duendes tend to hide in the mountains, and los gigantes are only a problem if someone has planted a few silly beans. So mount your caballo, your noble corcel, and tread carefully on whatever path you take. Just remember, un unicornio is to be protected at all costs. Do not worry about its flying cousin, el pegaso, as no one has seen this mischievous creature for centuries. And take care when you come across a little raton or a city rata. They often have the misfortune of having been cursed by a witch or warlock with some nasty disease. Lastly, here is a vocab section on places. You may come across a humble hut or a quaint cottage. You've also got fields and caves, caverns and mountains, and of course, the summit of some tall, distant mountain, and the tavern where everyone gathers there for news. So a hut would be una choza or una cabana, una chosa or una cabana, and... You can also use that same word, cabaña, for a cottage. So, una cabaña, or una casita de campo. Una casita de campo. From what I was gathering while I was doing research for this, it seems that una cabaña is really talking about a small hut, or sorry, a small house. It can be quaint, like we would think of in English, like a small cottage, or even a cabin in the woods, but it can also apply to a shack or a hut. Just keep that in mind. But a casita de campo, I think is always going to be more along the lines of a cottage. Now a field is el campo, el campo, and a cave is la cueva, la cueva. A cavern is la caverna, la caverna, with a V, and la cueva also has a a V. A mountain is La Montaña, La Montaña, with that ña, And then a mountain top or mountain summit is La Cima, La Cima, with a C at the beginning. And then a tavern is called La Taberna, with a B, La Taberna. Or, at least according to wordreference.com, in Mexico, Nicaragua, and Costa Rica, they would say Una Cantina, Una Cantina. So, a few more places. We've got, of course, a fortress. There are many battles in fantasy fiction. And we've got a palace or a castle, the forest or woods, a river, an inn. Inns are very important to travelers, as we all know. And of course, a mansion or its opposite, a hovel. A fortress can be called la fortaleza, la fortaleza. You might also hear el fuerte, which is a fort, el fuerte. Then there's also el palacio, el palacio for palace, and el castillo, el castillo with two L's for castle. Now, the forest and the woods is pretty much the same thing in Spanish, so it's el bosque, el bosque. And a river is el río with an accent on the I, el río. And then an inn is going to be either la posada, la posada, or la taberna la taberna. And I think the reason for that is because often when you talk about an inn in fantasy, right, it is a tavern as well. So, la posada, la taberna, just depends what function it's fulfilling. Now, a mansion is la mansión, with an accent over the O, la mansión. And a hovel can be una choza, una choza, kind of the same as a hut, or un cuchitril, un cuchitril. And finally, we come to our last story time mini series, whatever you want to call it. Welcome to the mystical land of Randover, a place where men, elves, and dwarves peacefully coexist. Humanity often builds their homes in Los Campos, or by hills, where in less peaceful times they built Las Fortalezas to guard against enemy invaders. These centuries of recent prosperity, however, have led many rulers to build grandiose castillos and palacios. With the nobility aiming to emulate them with fancy mansiones. Even the serfs no longer live in chozas or cuchitriles, but instead in quaint cabañas with thatched roofs and working hearths. Visitors seeking news might visit the local tabernas, then stay the night at the welcoming posadas. Across the nearby lakes and meandering rios live the elves content in their treetop homes among the ancient mystical bosques. The dwarves live far off in their montañas, preferring the smell of cuevas and the depths of cavernas, Sometimes an adventurous dwarf will venture out into the world, if only to claim he reached his mountain Sima. Well, that's all for the st- mini-stories. If you enjoyed that, please let me know, and I will continue that bit of weird vocab mixed with storytelling mixed with learning format for our sci-fi episode, which will happen in two episodes because I've got a surprise planned for episode 50, since it's our 50th episode. Super excited about that. And then episode 51 will be the sci-fi vocabulary. So please let me know what you think. Should I continue with this format for that episode? Or is it a little too weird? Too uh, cursi, as they'd say in Spanish. Or rather, too corny, right? Just let me know. Let's begin our cultural tip focusing on mythical creatures from Spanish speaking countries. I've included a link at the bottom of the show notes that highlights where I began my search. There's a really cool map that highlights kind of the big mythical creatures from different countries from all over the world. So if you're really into learning about different mythical creatures from anywhere in the world, I highly recommend you check that out because it's super cool. Anyways. That's where I began my search for different creatures and let's dig into what I found. For Argentina, there is the Nahuelito. Nahuelito. This creature is basically the South American equivalent of the Loch Ness Monster. The claims are that there is some type of aquatic creature, about 10 to 15 meters long, that lives in the waters of the lake. Ah, I apologize if I butcher this, but Nahuel Huapi thus the name Nahuelito. While no evidence has been found that concretely proves the existence of Nahuelito, the Mapuches, interestingly enough, had a legend of a similar creature that they called the Cuero, and oral legends of El Cuero date back 300 years or so ago. I've included links to a website that has the different hypotheses for what the creature might be and an informative article about the documentary, Bajo Superficie, El Habitante Oculto del Nahuel Huapi, which was directed by Miguel Ángel Rossi. So what do you think? Does Nahuelito exist, or is it all just a fun myth? Now in Peru, there's a creature called el Muki. While there are similar creatures in other South American countries, the Muki of Peru is a type of goblin or elf creature that wears mining gear, has a long beard and long blonde hair, with eyes that reflect the light kinda creepy. His voice is very deep, and his skin very pale, and he is no more than two feet tall. Supposedly, he walks like a duck due to his very large feet, which would probably be comical to see. And according to my research, the word muki comes from the Quechua word murik, for to smother or to strangle, which makes sense since the miners could inhale dangerous dust and silica. If you want the actual myth story, it's really quite fun to read check out the links below. In summary, the Muki likes to make deals with miners, but these deals do not always end well for the mortals. This creature, according to that world map I was showing you, is a creature from Spain, but there's really stories about this creature in Mexico and Latin America just in general. This is one of the most terrifying creatures I've heard of. It's El Coco. Now, the history of El Coco is a bit complex, as it seems to have begun as a dragon, and I've included a link with the history below. But nowadays, the creature is a bit like our boogeyman. So El Coco can hide wherever it likes, has red eyes, and hunts for misbehaving children. The worst version, El Cucuy, hunts the naughtiest of children who are never seen again. Francisco Goya, in 1799, created a scary work called Que Viene El Coco, where a mother is trying to protect her two frightened children from a hooded, man-like creature. It's quite chilling. No. Me. gusta, Especially as a mom now. Like, uh uh-uh. No way. But basically, nowadays, El Coco is a boogeyman who will come, kidnap naughty children, and eat them. I found a lullaby from Spain, via Mama Lisa's World, that summarizes this well. It goes, Duérmete, niño. Duérmete ya que viene el coco y te llevará. Duérmete, niño, duérmete ya, que viene el coco y te comerá. Is that not creepy or what? I'm not sure how a child's supposed to sleep after a lullaby like that. Basically, if you aren't sure what the rhyme or lullaby is saying, it's going, sleep, little boy, sleep already because the, El Coco is coming to and will take you away. Sleep little boy, sleep already because El Coco is coming and he's going to eat you. <laughs> That's a really rough translation, just kind of off the top of my head there. But that, that is super creepy. On a side note, El Coco is known as a female alligator called Cuca in Brazil just random fact to throw that out there and kind of get your mind off just how creepy this one is anyways what is your favorite mythical creature that you've learned about from spanish-speaking countries please shoot me an email shoot me a tweet on twitter whatever i would love to hear what your favorite mythical creature is Well, that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources I used for this episode. If you would prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, you can also visit the episode's blog. I would love to help you on your Spanish journey, so if you have any questions about Spanish culture or grammar, or even if you just need help editing or creating content in English, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information at www.languageanswers.com. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey. Aprovechalo, disfrútalo, y compártelo. See you in two weeks. Hasta luego.